and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. My name is David Hockney, and today we're doing part three of our Undertaker series today, in which we'll discuss the Undertaker's greatest feuds and rivalries. Uh, if you're listening in, uh, then be sure to check our other Undertaker shows, uh, the gimmick matches and the streak, uh, which you can find on our back catalogue. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good podcasting sites. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow us at Suplex Retweet. If you like what you hear, give us a rating, give us a review, and yep, that's uh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, anyway, indeed. Yes. So anyway, let's uh, let's meet today's panel. Up first uh, is the stooge I've hired to carry around my championship until I decide to take it back. It's Scott McLeod. The rightful champion. Thank you very much. Not since money. Default. Not since money in the bank 2010. Somebody more deserved a world title. You talked about Kane Benny Chads. Obviously. Uh, that's all you ever talk about. Anyway. Just, just watching your intro, think how did I ever lose to you? <laughs> and yet you still did. Anyway, up next uh, is a man who's preparing his liver for the main event of ESSR TakeOver Amsterdam this weekend. He is the Scottish big dog, it's Alan McLucas. Alright mate, how's it going? Uh, good to have you on board. How are you, how are you feeling this week? Oh, it's going to be epic. <laughs> Dave's going in the canal. No, I'm not going in any canal. Scott's the favourite, apparently. You're saying? Uh, well, I wouldn't bet against the favourite. Might as well call you Rosie and Jim because you'll be a barge going in that canal. Hello! <laughs> oh, fucking canal. That was loud, that. <laughs> Sorry, I think my hack's on it. Oh, <laughs> God's sake. Not even five minutes in, we've got a Rosie and Jim reference. Anyway. <laughs> 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 the show becomes more of a farce of oh, God. Take two! Insulted by using Rosie and Jim. <laughs> I don't think it was a great idea to do this in a library. They saw a lot of people just look over. Like, there are people writing essays just through the wall, you know? Right. Uh, up next, he is the last outlaw of the Glasgow Uni Pro Wrestling Society with a still a horrible taste in fashion sense. It's Andy Mitchell. Oh, Tish, what's that? You just uh, just my turtleneck. Well, yeah, exactly, but. What's wrong with a turtleneck? You're wearing a beanie indoors. Yeah, because um, I've got no hair. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take it off now. Excuse me, he takes it off, he looks a bit like Lars Sullivan with the bald head and the beard. Steve, I'm just I'm going, going for more like, uh, you know, Triple H look. Steve know. Austin had no hair and he won three Royal Rumbles. <laughs> he did. And he had good fashion sense. <laughs> what are you on about? You're wearing some crappy uh, Under Armour shirt and you don't even work out. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson has no hair and he's the world's biggest star. That's true. Uh, and finally, we have the founder of the Ministry of Darkness, otherwise known as Roscoe. It's Ross the Clown. <laughs> uh, the, mini- the Ministry of Darkness is Dave's flat when he turns off the lecky at night. <laughs> He's not wrong. I want it back. The only man I've ever seen unplug the cloaks and fridge before he goes to bed. PS4 needs a rest. Uh, and of course, we wouldn't have our excellent show without our MVEP. He is a man who digs holes, takes souls, but still won't get on that pole. It's Quacko Ajay. <laughs> that was actually really good. <laughs> oh. um, How you doing, Quacko? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's actually quite good. I'll give you that one. Uh, yeah, Dave yeah. Other. I'll give you that. Well, All right. So uh, today we're talking about Undertaker's greatest rivalries, and we're going to start off 
Uh, going to the mid-90s, where we did have a few first-evers with this feud, uh, it's Mankind. So, um, just to kick things off, their initial encounter began at King of the Ring 1996, and they feuded for most of the late 90s. Um, Andy, I'll start with you in this one. What did you think of uh, the Undertaker-Mankind feud? Because there was a lot of uh, defining moments that sort of led the way with uh, brutal matches and stuff. Yeah, because it was, uh, it was uh, Mankind's... <laughs> Alright... It was uh, Mankind's uh, debut match, uh, debut feud, wasn't it? So he just uh, appeared the night after WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, looking back at it, it was, it was just really intense. Probably his, his most intense feud on this. And, you know, before that, Undertaker didn't really put on great matches. And I think this might have been, like, the first time it was, like, you know, it was a legit, you could tell he was a, a legit wrestler and someone that you shouldn't mess with or else he'll make you famous. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it's, I mean, Mankind definitely had that sort of um, mm. demented look about him that only a guy like Undertaker would feud with. And Ross, do you think um, um, Undertaker could have feuded with any of other Mick Foley's personalities like Cactus Jack or Dude Love, or do you think Mankind was sort of the best uh, one? Dude Love, I think, would have worked well with the Biker Taker, but I think this, this is the only character at this stage would have worked with the Undertaker, and I think, it, obviously, Mick Foley just came into WWE at this point. It was good for Mick Foley to get a big push against The Undertaker, and it was also good for Undertaker to get like a monster of the week that could actually wrestle, because mm. you see a lot in the early 90s, and you see it, um, obviously we're talking about his rivalry with Batista later, before that, his sort of feuds were monster of the week, big guy of the week, or oh, we're bringing in this big guy, and it's got to be, he'll dominate Taker. And have you ever seen anyone dominate Taker? Yeah, the last big guy you brought in. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this works well, because... Mankind's unhinged and Taker's gimmick was sort of like mind games. He he sort of just thrived on these mind games. Sort of like you see with Nicky Cross now. Like the Asuka thing and the Shayna Baszler thing. Everyone was intimidated by them. She sort of pounced on it and that's sort of how Mankind uh-huh. was in that feud. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to describe it. I think obviously having that unhinged sort of personality, it's, it sort of makes you think like, you know, the mind games are not going to be as effective. But yeah. obviously Taker was very skilled in the ring as well. And uh, Alan... They, with this feud, um, I said in the sort of sort of opening segue, there, there were a couple of first ever's. You know, they had the first ever historic, historic, yeah, first ever boiler room brawl and the first ever buried alive match. Uh, which of these uh, do you think? Do you think these sort of set a precedence for oh, yeah. what the attitude era was like? Absolutely, exactly. It was enough. It set the tone for the attitude era. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the buried alive matches were that many of them. It was way ahead of its time. It's something I miss actually. I wish we'd do more of, uh, mm. but we're too PG now. Um, the boiler room, you know, like Takers recently went back to the boiler room with his last segment with Kane, uh, where we talk about back to Crown Jewel and stuff like that. So it kind of brings back the whole ethos and the era of him, mankind. Um, I, I I thought it was tremendous. It was one, I think it's one of his best, one of his best, absolutely. Uh, Scott, what did you make of the, the Buried Alive match? I'm kind of one of these people that's kind of glad we don't have this anymore because as a spectacle and as a concept, it, it suits it. But if you ever try to watch a Buried Alive match, it's just a bunch of two guys fessling in the dirt for ten minutes. <laughs> Do you think about it? <laughs> yeah, it does sound a bit weird. Right. It's the same as Govan. It's the difference. <laughs> See, I think the thing with a Buried Alive match, it should be like the Boiler Room, boiler room Brawl. It should start backstage because what's the point in having it start in the ring? Because you need to walk, but it's like the the infamous scene in Only Fools and Horses where Trigger's offered a lift to the pub. That's not it, your first Only Fools and Horses references on this show. He has way. to walk by the pub to go, for <laughs> Dell to get, give him a lift back to the pub. And his <laughs> logic is, but Dell said he'd give me a lift. <laughs> but yeah, they walk by 
where they're going to be buried. Like, surely whoever makes their entrance first, surely whoever's coming at second can run out and just kind of push them and uh, run. Like, one, one. <laughs> it's just, it's a weird concept of a match. Yeah, it's like, same with the, I don't know, if, well, I don't know how many of you have erased this from your memory, but you remember the House of Horrors match from Backlash last year? Uh, or yeah, it was two years, years ago. ago. Two years ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, did that ever remind you of the, the Boiler and Brawl at all, or do you think it was just a completely messed up? A straight to DVD sequel of the Boiler and Brawl, perhaps. about right, actually, yeah. But of course, we can't talk about Undertaker and Mankind without talking about that Hell in a Cell match, the one from King of the Ring 1998. It's probably one of the most replayed clips of how dangerous Hell in a Cell is meant to be um, Andy what did you think like what was it about that Hell in a Cell that really made it stand out it was the fact that they like, started the match on top of the cell and it was uh, they planned it before so they wanted to go bigger than the Shawn Michaels one so that was like a five star classic mm-hmm. so yeah they, they decided and it's just to see them fighting on top of the cell and it's just you know, dangerous. And we've already seen matches where it's intense. It's like how intense are going to go, and then as we all know, he gets mankind gets thrown off the cell. And I know a lot of attention does go on like Mick Foley's fall, but it's just like Taylor just standing there, just looking like the monster that he's supposed to be, and it's just just an amazing image. Yeah, uh, Ross, um, that fall from from mankind. How did he not die? I, I, I don't know it sort of put me on the spot there like how are you alive I, I, he is a bit of a cushion man so you know yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. careful he had a bit of padding as Simon Cassidy said in his recent brilliant interview with our own Alan Lucas, yeah. where he mentions that match and how how that fall is so it's so shocking it was something you'd never seen at the time the match itself is kind of mm-hmm. It's no great to watch, but that moment there, it's just, oh my God, like, how how did he not die? <laughs> that, that was easy. Well, how did he not die? Yeah, it wasn't just that as well, uh, Scott, because remember he was also chokeslammed yeah. in the cell as well, and the, the ring didn't even give way, because I've seen him, like, um, take a back body drop through the cell when he yeah. had a match with Triple H, and the, the ring practically dented, so yeah, think- do you think that was... Uh, that was at a point where you think, right, this this has gone on too far. Yeah, I think if they had stopped the match there, I mean, some people may have been disappointed, but I think you could understand why why they had to do it. But I think as iconic as this match was, it did set a really far, the precedent for Hell in Cell's far too high, because even Mick Foley said, like, he knew when he had the match with Triple H, he knew the crowd didn't care for the first half of the match, they were just waiting to see when they would eventually go out. And when they did, that's when people started figuring because they only wanted to know what was going to happen. Like what was going to be the big spot, yeah. Uh, it's sort of like a Shane McMahon thing. It's like, right, when is he going to jump off something high? Mm, when like, is he going to do like a... Yeah, enough of your crappy yeah. MMA punches, just jump off something. Yeah, can you imagine like, if Shane McMahon was at WrestleMania 28? You're just like, no one cares. Climb the pine tree. Jump. <laughs> jump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, Alan, do you think this match sort of set the tone for... Um, attitude era, not only for Attitude Era feuds but for the Hell in a Cell match Gerald do you think these guys sort of <coughs> defined how brutal it was yeah I mean we've never had one that's shocking um, it's, it still takes a breath we're thinking about it and you're, also you're saying Simon it's like how did he survive and also the fact that everything happened it was a mistake you know he was never meant to go off the cell he was never meant to go through the cell no he was meant to get thrown off the cell. Where I, he was meant to go through. He, he, he was, he was, yeah, I, apparently, I, was, he was, he was supposed to be halfway up and fall. Like, what are they? I heard when the, he would go through the cell and chokes on me, he would land, it would slightly give way, and he would roll down, but it just immediately gave way like, underneath him. 
mm-hmm. and that and then that's why it went down in the chair. He also falls down in hell hands on his head, yeah. which causes even more damage. No, even just hearing about all this, it just sounds sounds really horrible. But yeah, um, I actually do have some stats here. I've got stats for all of Ooh. these uh, all of these rivals uh, that we'll be discussing today. Because um, rules help control the fun. Exactly. Okay, Monica. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in total, uh, Undertaker and Mankind had ten one-on-one matches, and Undertaker won six of them. So it's a six to four in favor of Taker. So it was kind of like even even the odds, because obviously Mankind won the the boiler room brawl, but then Taker wins hell on a cell. It was kind of back and forth, but I think the really sort of sad thing about this feud is the last two matches they had, um, those ended in disqualification and countout. They were, so, saying, they were saying they should have really uh, done their like grudge match at WrestleMania. That would have been a hell of a WrestleMania match, but yeah. But then it just sort of just died when the yeah. Attitude Era sort of was starting to round up a bit. Just, I was just saying there was too much going on at the Attitude Era, so it was just yeah, like, right. oh, just fit in when we got I think the Attitude Era was so loaded, like you could just look anywhere and you'd find something good about it in terms of future storylines. I think that's something that was good about the Attitude Era, because we're just talking about, we always talk about how great yeah. it is, but then we can always talk about so many matches that never happened. Mm-hmm. Always talking about, like, it just to show how good the Mankind held his own in that feud, even though that he won, like, it was more in favour of Taker in terms of wins and losses. It shows how much Mankind contributed to this and that everybody talks about how much mind games he helped play on the other day and how he got those first two big victories. So it just goes to show you don't need to win every match, but if he, it's how you win, mm-hmm. then like the moment at SummerSlam, like, I remember that's really for the Paul Bear turn. Almost mm-hmm. like Paul Heyman for some reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's um, so that's our sort of first feud. That's uh, Mankind sort of done and dusted a bit. <laughs> So moving on to our next one, um, someone who's still still around on the roster, but just not as much an active competitive anymore. Triple H. The game. Well, he's not. He's not. I don't. If you choose to forget his last couple of matches, which I do. No, oh, yeah, but unfortunately, we are going to bring them up. So uh, why must you torture us? Yeah. Um, now, Undertaker and Triple H have had a couple of one-on-one uh, matches before their sort of big, their first big spectacle clash, which is uh, WrestleMania X Seven. Their sort of first mini encounter, and that was. I think that was their very first match. They never wrestled before that. No, I think no, they wrestled a couple of times. It's like uh, yeah, it was like, like a, a, a random match on a shotgun Saturday night in a train station where Undertaker tunes on them on top of a escalator or something like that. <laughs> ah, good times. I remember as well. Ah, the nineties. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, people say WrestleMania X Seven was one of the better WrestleManias of all time. Um, <laughs> The so, best WrestleMania of okay. all time. How do you see that as a rock? 17. How do you see that as a rock fan? He's an Austin fan. Look at him. <laughs> Just <laughs> look at him. Rock lost. It's a terrible WrestleMania. It's the greatest. It's the, the WrestleMania that fans make man turn face. Well, 18 to make man rock one. Rock may have lost, but let's not forget, Kane did win the hardcore title. He did win the hardcore title. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disagree with Alan there. That... That massive dive of a seven foot man in red spandex diving off a stage onto another seven foot man was glorious. Just imagine being Raven seeing that flying towards you. Raven nearly killed that shot. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the last matches to, to take place at, the, at that year's media. Do you think it's sort of. Um, and it was quite a long match, so I could say sort of went in the crowd, there was some. I didn't even know there was, if it was a no disqualification step. No, it wasn't. It was just the longest ref pump of all time. <laughs> just like the one ref, punch and I the can't ref remember. was in a coma. Yes, <laughs> I was legit. Was it Mike Kyoto? I think I so. Mean, uh, you always over ourselves. Yeah, right? Always. Yeah. But do you think this was um, sort of a good start for what was going to be the first of their three WrestleMania matches? Ross, I'll start with you. It's a good media match, but the the feud itself is sort of just they had nothing to do at WrestleMania, like. 
that WrestleMania is great, but you look at a lot of the feuds, a lot of the feuds are thrown together because so much energy goes into the Rock Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was just sort of like, right, Triple H is feuding with Austin, but he can't feud for Austin for long because he's got to feud with Rock. Undertaker was sort of just floating about, I think. He was tag teaming with Ken. Um, and then it's like yeah because going into it I know like a lot of people were unhappy you had like Angle who was unhappy and he just had the, the title mm-hmm. Triple H was unhappy and maybe Undertaker was unhappy yeah and I think uh, they just kind of threw them together to appease him I think they gave Kurt Angle Benmore to appease him mm-hmm. that was actually rated one of the best matches that was a great match I think a lot of them had a lot to prove this match is good but it's just it goes a bit long mm-hmm. it is a bit of a slugfest it's a bit of a slugfest and the, the one spot that when you watch back now in HD, you can actually see he doesn't actually touch him with it, but watching it on my dodgy VHS copy that had been <laughs> taped off Sky, uh, it's the bit where he goes for the power, but the last ride, and Triple uh-huh. H picks up the sledgehammer, and as he lifts him up, he just goes bang! <laughs> watching that in a VHS copy in non-HD, it looks like he's absolutely scudded him in the head with a sledgehammer, it's like, oh Jesus! Nice. That bit's amazing. <laughs> Is that the only good spot of the match? That's amazing, fighting in the crowd... Watching it as a child, I'd I, I like to give yeah. the opinion of when you watched it. I thought it was pretty cool because like the setup and all that looked like another ring. It was like, oh, that's pretty cool, but it, it's one that doesn't hold up. Uh, see, they had, they had a couple of other sort of encounters as well. Like um, they had a few clashes on Raw. It was over number one contenderships. Mm-hmm. Uh, they faced each other at Insurrection, the UK pay per view in at Wembley Arena. <laughs> Uh, but there was actually a nine year gap between their no they fought King of the Ring 2002 I think they knew it was going to be bad because they were doing house shows and they weren't well received Yeah, and it was that bad that they brought The Rock out to do commentary and caused like <laughs> yeah, a, a screwy mm-hmm. finish Yeah, but their sort of last sort of match on Raw was uh, 26th of August 2002 there would be a nine year gap before they faced each other again at Wrestlemania 27 and that was the Noel's Bard match. So. Well, they were in a three stage of a tag match in Madison Square Garden in 2009, not on Raw, thanks. Yeah, I think he's the big one on Black. Sorry, Mr. Statsman. They were on, because Triple H got drafted to SmackDown, but Undertaker never left SmackDown. No, he was yeah. Raw, wasn't he? No. Oh, no, he was on Raw yeah. like, the first bit of the draft, but then he went to SmackDown and like never left until like the part-time sort of taker stuff. I was going to say, before you go off WrestleMania, just uh, we're talking about Undertaker, the best moment of that is just when he comes down the bloody ramp on the motorbike. Yes. I just, uh, just yes. have to mention that. That was sort of just the base of that feud. It was sort of like, he stole his bike, so he went to steal it back. Triple H stole my bike. Yeah, he went to steal it back, and then he got arrested for stealing his own bike back. He said... Oh, that was a good bit. He goes like that to the cops. And he did think, smash his limo, though. Uh, do you think we can stop and get some donuts? That's the best thing he says to the cops. But then oh, it was just sort of... American accent. Like you, you can get away with any form of stereotyping. Yeah, it just... It, it was a thrown together feud, but they sort of kept him apart the two years Triple H were on SmackDown as well. Which mm-hmm. which was actually pretty impressive, the way they did that. It was <laughs> impressive considering you've seen the roster at the time. It was uh-huh. horrendous. Yeah, uh, but they wouldn't face each other again until WrestleMania 27, the Noel's Bard match. Mm-hmm. Do you think... And this was probably the only decent match on what was a pretty bad WrestleMania. I think the, the it's the only great match. The Punk against Randy Orton match is really good, but mm-hmm. it's the only great. It's the only Mania worthy match. If you get yeah, me. I just thought the Oreo Edge was actually decent. 
They're real edgy. Edge from a technical standpoint, I think mm. that was actually. Yeah, it was Because I you think back now, I mean, you're edgy last no, I never like. actually watched that many because it's just like. Do you guys remember how that Nolds Bar match actually came about? Yeah, yeah they just kind of looked at the. That, this um, was the point to sign buff kind of uh, thing. This, this is what made this match so intriguing. The fact that Taker's coming out, running his gub, <laughs> no, blabbering his gub away, going, I've been everyone, there's nothing left today. And then Triple H comes out, doesn't he speak a single word? Stares at him and then just looks past him at the rest of me. The two of them turn around and that's it. No. And that's the moment you go, holy shit. I'm pretty sure Taker came out and wasn't saying anything and then yeah. Triple H yeah. came out and I, then he didn't I, say anything I, and then did both lift the came out. Did he come out and flap his gums or No, he didn't no, say no, anything. No, no. Oh. Neither of them oh, said a word, yeah. It was, um, I think Taker had come back after the Bragging Rights Buried Alive match and then Triple H had come back from injury mm-hmm. and then they just sort of, so it was two returns for the price of one. Well, because the, the, they thought it was Sting coming in because it didn't actually, Oh yeah. because yeah. it was the whole, uh, it was the Johnny Cash uh, video package. They were trying to sign Sting at the time they chose yeah. to re-sign with TNA. Right, mm. they, they tried to sign Sting as you guys are saying, then when they couldn't get Sting it was very obvious it was The Undertaker yeah. and I think they actually gave it away at the start of Raw. Because they showed the the countdown, and it was a three hour, it was a special three hour raw before we did weekly three hour raw, and it was like it was the date, so it was like uh, two twenty three, and they were like two hours twenty three minutes in. This is going to happen, and then the thunder claps, and the Undertaker appears, and then disappears again. You're like, so you've just told us at two hours twenty three under, and I think that's what made the Triple H one even better because yeah. it's just like. Right, it's the Undertaker. Fair enough. Who's he fighting? Boom! Time to play. Like, as I remember, oh god! Yeah, I remember watching that. I jumped out of my seat when I heard uh, mm. Motorhead play. It's like they've both been away for so long. Like, Taker comes back after being buried alive. Then like, ah, oh, we don't need an explanation why he's back. He's the Undertaker. He's just here. Yep. But like, kind of similar to Mania Seventeen, where we'd only faced off once or twice. Do you mind? Describe another one. Faced off once or twice, but now we're that big match, and it seems obvious. Like, why shouldn't, isn't this match on Mania Seventeen? If kind of thing like they had been done such a good job of keeping them apart that it felt like it felt like so long since they'd faced off that when they had the face off you were like, Yes, this is a match I want to see at WrestleMania. I do love it how the promo package is like the last outlaw. I was like, why the outlaws? I know because like, of like, from the attitude there. One Undertaker one week it came up the game, Triple H, the last outlaw of the Undertaker, like since when has he been called that? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that wasn't their their last encounter because they faced a year later inside the the now infamous end of an era Hell in a Cell. You need to talk about how that match ended first before we move on. That, to that's why. my all time favorite match ever. Like Hell in a Cell. Oh my god! Sorry, Andy, you were going to say something about no hold. No, I'm just saying you can't like go on to that without how it ends. But like Taker, like obviously wins, but he can't go to his feet and he has to yeah. get stretched out of the way. That's right. Yeah, oh, Triple yeah, H so. was the one walking out, even though he sort of passed out. But yeah, so end of an era, hell in a cell. Alan, this is—you said this is your favourite match. What mm. what made it so special? I think it's the first time you legitimately thought streets gone. Mm. Michaels is the special guest referee, and hell in a cell, they're going hit hammer and tongs, and in the next thing, Taker's hit with sweet chin music, and as he spins into the pedigree, and you—I was in, i remember exactly what I was in walkabout with my pals from uni, and my pals time goes streets over, and I'm like, no, it's not, never end, never end, and we're one. Two and he jumps up that, and the next thing, Taker kicks up, and I kid you not, I think I had a stroke. <laughs> I was like, he's not, he's not, and that was it. And it's just, it's a WrestleMania match. It had everything, you know. You had the storytelling, you had the action. Both of them looked on point because all people thought after twenty-seven, Taker was done. He was weak, he was fragile, he can't do it anymore. But he came back and he showed, no, I can do it, and I've still got it. And oh, it was just, it's. Probably, I think honestly, I'll argue this right. I think it was actually 
up until last year's WrestleMania was the best WrestleMania match since last year's WrestleMania. Mm. I haven't seen another match at any other WrestleMania since that's touched it. And the, I mean, the story going in here is really good. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you choose to forget, if you choose to forget that awful leg Taker was wearing on Raw, <laughs> to oh, hide the fact, to yeah. wait until the, the reveal that he was bald until Mania. And yeah. just, I didn't realize it was until someone pointed it, and once you notice it, you can't not notice it. Well, he sort of wore a hood after wearing the wig, you know, yeah. he had the hat, then he had the hood to sort of hide it. But, um, yeah, going past end of an era, we get to last time ever at. I'm Super- sorry, Dan, I'll get a. Oh, sorry, 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 do you guys want to talk Yeah, well, it would be lovely. Uh-huh. I, I had a wee bit of a gripe with us with the fact that it said end of an era, and it was like all the attitude era guys, and you're just like, right, on this card already, Chris Jericho's wrestled, Kane's wrestled. The Rock's in the main event, and then the next night Brock Lesnar returns, you're just like, not the end of an era. Like, they're all still there. <laughs> and like, if it was the end of the era, surely the loser retires. <laughs> they were both in prominent matches the next year's WrestleMania. Ridiculous. Like, I know. Like, and also, like, I think this match and the Rock match, I remember when we were watching it, that these were the two matches I was most invested in because you could easily see either one of them going either way. And, like, there's never been, like, a better near fall than Taker's Street than that switch in, uh, switch in the pedigree. And clearly, you know, titles of matches don't mean anything if you go from end of an era to last time ever. No, see, to, before we go, obviously, like, yeah. I'm a, a massive Rock fan, so I was massively invested in Rock Cena. But I think a lot of people, and rightfully so, because they kind of sacrificed one mania to build to another mania, weren't interested in it. I think this was, like, it was 50-50, and this got the other half on board. It's like, right, for mm-hmm. those of you that don't want to watch the Rock Cena... We have a Hell in a Cell match, we have Triple H Undertaker, and we have the rematch, mm. which I thought, great. Well, you can't say no to Hell in a Cell, can exactly. you? Especially when you get two guys who are basically at the end of their sort of tether, and you think maybe the streak's going to come to an end. I think that was brilliant. But just to sort of quickly before we move on, let's discuss last time ever Super Showdown and Crown Jewel. I mean, Bad. anything good can we say? Can we say anything good about this? No. No. Next. No. All right, next. Cool. Right. Uh, up next, uh, we go to from one Evolution member to another. Up next is Batista. Batista. <laughs> yep. Now this sort of, this was sort of the main <laughs> prominent feud of uh, 2007, um, because this was the year Undertaker won the Royal Rumble, and he would go on to face Batista at WrestleMania that year for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, Andy, I'll start with you on this one. What did you think of this um, this Royal Rumble winners feud? build up to, to Wrestlemania was it good or was it well I was excited about it I remember it because it was like they were doing the sort of oh we're friends kind of thing it's like you know I don't really want to face you take that but you know I'll, I'll have to and then they had the tag team match where it was uh, uh, Taker and Batista against Michaels and Cena and, Cena, and yeah. then yeah during the match Batista turns on Taker and it's like alright now it's on this is going to be like because you wanted them to be intense and uh, when that match started it was like straight away just go straight at it and it was like right now I'm in I, just, I, just, I can't remember how it ends I just remember how it starts it's just like just before it's like yeah, I think it's a, take, it just takes off his hat and it's before it like Batista just runs in and smacks him right in the face yeah. Yeah. see uh, with this one as well I think this is another one because Batista was Vince's guy before Cena was Vince's guy Batista was Vince's mm-hmm. guy and Undertaker since he hadn't won the title since 2002 you look at Undertaker's title reigns he had I believe three or four in the later half of his career and it was sort of like that was the only time he ever really won titles he lost all the title feuds he was in he always won his normal feuds but his title feuds he lost and we were sitting thinking like is this is this the moment and I think this match is important as well because David Campbell mentioned it on the best and worst Rumble winner show Undertaker was 
sort of back to villain of the week or scary guy of the week or monster of the week. This rumble was the sort of the prefaces and the kickoff from WrestleMania 23 up until WrestleMania 29, where Undertaker's match every year was absolutely immense, and all these feuds, like as we'll talk about when we go to Edge and that, all these feuds were amazing. All these feuds felt like a big deal again, and I think this match helped it. And like Andy says, when the bell rings and they just go for it, because it's it's. It's no two guys you expect to go for it. It's two big, powerful guys. You don't expect them to be running at 100 miles an hour and forcing the crowd to catch their breath. So, like I said, like not a lot of people sort of. I know a lot of people don't talk about that as a big streaks match, but when they talk about like, I remember like they were talking about Randy Orton versus Triple H, and it was like they compare that in the same way that start like that match did. Yeah. So it's like I know it's not remembered as like greatest thing, but it's always like kind of the intensity it should like really get yeah. remembered. See, I think the. Um I don't think they sort of put that much sort of focus. Well, they didn't go over the top with Batista Undertaker at first, uh, which I think maybe that's what made it good. They didn't put too much investment into it, and it just sort of naturally panned out. So I think that's what made it good. Now, um, Scott, following their WrestleMania feud, they would actually go on to have quite a a long series of matches, including like Last Man Standing in Steel Cages. Yeah. Um, do you remember watching them? I remember, I do remember the last man standing match because I had it on the pay per view on DVD for a while, and just remember how it ends. Like they clearly wanted to keep it going. They had to think, how do we keep going and make keep both men strong? What do we do? Let's have them kill each other by going off the stage and possibly blowing themselves up. <laughs> yeah, I, that was um, I think Batista's fear to take her off the off, stage, off the stage yeah. and then the scaffolding fell on them. Yeah, I mean that with those kind with that kind of match, you can get away with like a double count out in a last man standing. Mm-hmm. But the steel cage match, yeah, Alan, I don't know. If, no, you've not seen it. <laughs> I think the uh, this was Alan's absence. We all had an absence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During during my time, I didn't well. really. I didn't have Sky Sports. So, um, like Steel Cage is you the, one the Steel Cage. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a bit of an odd one because they were supposed to sort of hit the, the floor at the same time. But I think it was um, Batista actually technically hit first, but it was the camera angles they messed with it to make it look like they hit at the same time. Yeah, obviously this was back when SmackDown was pre-taped, so that stuff was like doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. This this sort of led to. Mark Henry, I, I want to preface this, Mark Henry Hall of Pain, Mark Henry Salmon Jacket, John Cena Feud 2013, is great. Mark Henry at this point was awful. I'm sorry, it was just, he lost a lot of weight to do the Hall of Pain stuff. Yeah. I think at this point he was sort of lumbering, he was carrying too much weight. It's like when you see parts of the Big Show's mm-hmm. career when he's heavy, he's no as good as you know he can be. Mm-hmm. And this was just starting off another villain of the week, which was sort of, like we talk about, all, all his feuds were good. This sort of led to the Taker hiatus, where he would do Rumble to Mania, take the summer off, mm-hmm. and then he would do, you know, like SummerSlam to like the November pay-per-view, take December off, and then do the Rumble again. And this just sort of wrote Taker off TV, and to be honest, I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah, and it, it sort of intertwines with, um, with, with Edge a bit as well, who we'll discuss mm-hmm. uh, just next. But I think because of that, um, because Edge got had to leave because of injury as well so that sort of reignited the feud between Batista and Taker they had a couple more matches to round off the end of uh, 2007 um, Scott there was a they even had a Hell in a Cell match at the Survivor <coughs> Series that year what did you what did you make of that match? Uh, I haven't actually seen that match but I heard it's great but I do know that match came about because it's Cyber Sunday uh, Batista Ramley just beats The Undertaker and Austin with the fan voided ref and like it's just a standard match like Austin didn't get involved on yeah the Batista won clean and then Taker's went I want another match like really I'll keep it Batista just sort of went no 
<laughs> back of the line. No, like, I, I beat you fair and square. Yeah. Right, but then I'd have a great finish, I did see the finish where Edge snuck in to save their camera and that would set up a triple threat between oh, the yeah. two. Edge sneaking in as a cameraman in the hell out of cell, that was actually pretty clever. <laughs> but um, I think I know, I think there is maybe a reason why Batista won at Cyber Sunday, but it's because it was held in Washington, D.C. Alright. Batista's hometown. So maybe they just don't want a negative hometown. It's before everybody lost in their hometown. <laughs> yeah, this is way before then. Um, but yeah, I think the really good thing about this feud is that they had seven matches, mm-hmm. all within 2007, and believe it or not, they were all for the World Heavyweight Championship, one-on-one. So it was purely around the world title, and I think that's how you really build a great feud, yeah. when you're with two big big stars like these guys. Uh, but sort of going on to the sort of last point, they just had, they, the next 1v1 match they would have wouldn't be until 2009, mm-hmm. which would be the chairs match. Is this one really worth mentioning? Because it was almost seemed like a one-off in a way. No, really. the the would you call it the um, the Undertaker had some really good matches in that time. Batista was actually involved in one. It was the Fatal Four Way at Bragging Rights two thousand nine mm-hmm. with Mysterio and Punk. That was a great match. He has a great Elimination Chamber match where he loses it to Jericho. He has a great match at the Royal Rumble. This just sort sort of felt weird. It's a chairs match. This has not been done since because like there's been low blows and underhanded deeds and tables and ladders used in chairs matches since but it was like Batista wins with a low blow that was leads, sorry he low blows him Batista bombs him onto a chair Teddy Long comes out who's screwed the Undertaker four months prior to tell Batista oh chairs are the only legal thing in the match it's a normal match disqualifications count like, really? What? no it doesn't yeah that's and that's that's how the match restarted and then it he literally so stupid as well it, it was such a heel way for him to win because Taker gets up as Batista's protesting, rightfully so. What a stupid decision. And then he just scalps him with a chair in the back and then I think he tombstones him onto the chair and then yeah. that's it. Hold on, player. It could have been worse. He could have just came out and went, we have a tag team match. Like, battle royal. You have a table and a chair each as your tag team partners. You're going to have a rematch with the Undertaker. I just fought the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> like, only reason... Batista was there in this match because he just freshly turned heel turned on uh, Rey Mysterio after uh-huh. that four way and they just wanted I think he was just kind of out on his way out the door they had one foot out the door because he was kind of done at this point he could he was getting, tell. Yeah, he sounded like he was getting sick of the whole PG thing but he was yeah. you know like you said he was a uh, he became a, a heel apparently mm-hmm. that's not why he left did, did you see the reason why he left although in fairness when you see his career now he's probably that because there was no real man about <laughs> no, no it was a, a verbatim, that's a verbatim quote by Batista he was also uh, promised a WWE movie ah. and he was promised the classic Triple H award winning comedy The Chaperone and at the last minute they replaced him with Triple H and that's, that was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back and they just went and fair play to me, did it? He went, you know what? I don't need your films. I'll go out and make it my own. And Blackjack and hookers. <laughs> <laughs> a future amateur quote makes it on ESSR. Yeah. And fair play, he's in James Bond. He's in the Avengers. He is in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's, he's done it. He's brilliant as Drax yeah. Destroyer. He's so good. Some people are saying he's like got a much better Hollywood career than The Rock. I think he's not a leading man. Yeah, he's but The Rock's movies are rubbish. No offense. No. <laughs> I think The Rock. The rock, we can get into this another time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just wait Black Adam comes yeah. in and you're all going to be slow. Right, let's talk. Let's discuss movies <laughs> another time. So, um, but yeah, we did mention this next. This next person, uh, he was sort of, he sort of just weaved his way in between the Undertaker Batista feud, uh, Edge. So we so, all thought we knew him. Yeah, he comes in, you know, with the the first, well, the sort of 
Wow, Scott. I know. I, I was in there. I had to do it's, it. He's the first superstar, I think, to have two surprise cash ins because he has, you know, he does first one at New Year's Revolution and he does it again on SmackDown, even though he was a Raw superstar beforehand. So I think seeing that cash in on Taker was sort of like the last thing you'd expect. But then again, they wouldn't have another match 1v1 until WrestleMania 24. Do you think this sort of that, that cash in really planted the seeds for a WrestleMania type match? So the best thing about Edge here is. So obviously he does the, the cash-in. He avoids having to face the Undertaker properly. He hits him with the camera and he keeps the title on Batista. He does the triple threat. He doesn't have to fight Batista or Undertaker one-on-one. He can just wait for them to take each other out. <laughs> Sandy drops his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like Tom broke in my pocket. <laughs> uh, and he avoids... And this this plays into the, the ultimate opportunist because in 2008 he's fighting... Uh, the likes of Rey Mysterio building up to this and obviously Rey Mysterio being the smaller guy it gives Edge the advantage so the entire year he's avoided the, the Undertaker's size and power advantage and then when Taker wins the chamber to go it's like there's no avoiding him now mm. it's like he's coming for you you've avoided him for nearly a year and mm-hmm. it's so well, the, it's like Tommaso Ciampa's injury helped the Johnny Gargano storyline. Yeah, Edge's injury helped the Undertaker storyline mm-hmm. so much, mm-hmm. and it's just a case of he's avoided him at every turn. He's played up the op- ultimate opportunist, but it's yeah. like the Reaper always comes, and at WrestleMania he goes. Yeah, like he, he always gets the upper hand on him. So yeah. it's a good storyline going into it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said about the op- uh, ultimate opportunist, because that is just Edge's character. So it's yeah. just like I'm going to win, but I'm just going to do it. Like in the worst way possible. Or yeah, it's like, like I don't try. have to, I don't have to like beat you in the ring. Yeah. I just have to outsmart you. Also, as well, like this kind of this rivalry kind of sell streak thing at WrestleMania because mm-hmm. it was streak versus streak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember Edge was at eight. No, well, he's he sort of didn't. Well, he did win the Money in the Bank. Yeah, he'd, 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 he'd never been he'd never been pinned at me. Yeah, and I, yeah. Aye, so yeah. he'd it's a streak. That's the first time we really got heard of it. I think it was like eight. No, or something like that. No, was, I think uh, it was like uh, four, five, four, five, and oh. Two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand. He wasn't around five, five, yeah. Two thousand six, thousand three, it was five, six, yeah. Five, 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 it was five because yeah. he won the triangle tables match. He won the tables. Uh, Ladder, so he won the TLC. He beat Booker T. He beat. He won the Money in the Bank, and then mm. who did he beat in two thousand six? Uh, uh, Mick Foley. Mick Foley, yeah. Foley yeah. Yeah. Match, yeah. That's the thing. Like, did not wrestle in two thousand three. Many as I know, no, four he was in. Two thousand seven, he was in the ladder match, but he didn't. Yeah, he, didn't no, he, 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 he broke his neck right before uh, nineteen. He was still out for 20, yeah, and then he came, came back in the yeah, draft about a month later. But yeah, like saying it's the streak versus streak. Uh, it set the whole streak thing for me as well, but also great match as well. You yeah. know, really good match. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of feel Edge should have won it. The greatest, sorry, Scott, before you go on there, the greatest, <laughs> the greatest Charles <laughs> Robinson <laughs> moment <laughs> where he runs the massive WrestleMania oh. novelty ramp. Like, everyone always worries, like, how are they going to get down that? Oh, he went and doing it like a good yeah. thing. Linford Christie had nothing on my boy, Charles Robinson. <laughs> as he sprints to the ring and slides <laughs> and manages to stop right in the middle of the ring where Edge is currently covering Taker. One, two... You must have rehearsed that. Oh, they must have. <laughs> like, it wasn't just like the sort of lane ramp they had as well. Like, Mania 33 was the same arena. It was and they deep just had this, as well. Just one giant HD ramp as well. 
Can you imagine him running down that? Imagine he's got his stomach and slid and... Uh, oh god. <laughs> like, the thing with Ed was... oil on the ramp or something, he just slid down. <laughs> Despite, like, Cash and Jude having that moment, it, it did feel like it kind of stopped start with him. Where he, he won the title, but held it for like a month. Then one beat Mick Foley and won the title back. And then, but then he lost a few months later to uh, Cena. Then he won the cash down taker, but then got injured. I felt like this mania match and the feud that preceded it is where Edge truly arrived as the main event guy, especially on SmackDown, because he needed guys like that. Yeah, so he had Taker and Batista for a while, and it was through feuding with those two that Edge kind of became that guy as well. But Edge actually did say in an interview, I believe on Jericho's show years later, uh, he was off. He said at one point they wanted him to break the streak, and he said no. Like he refused yeah. to do it. It's something as well. It's a like Scott was saying, stop start. Um, the sort of parallels we because I'll, I'll use it anyway. You get the Rock on a show. Uh, the sort of parallels <laughs> we like the way, <laughs> the way the Rock like when he won him and Mankind flip flopped over the title and then he was like champion for like a month and then Austin took it and didn't get any other belt again. And this was sort of like Edge got it for three weeks and then he got it for like two months because he only got it because RVD gets suspended. But he lost it back to Cena because obviously like. Rock being the secondary star, Edge was the secondary star in their eyes to Cena, and injuries and things hampered him, and he, he made the best what he got, but this sort of December to April title run, this is when you've seen the true Edge, and I think I think if it wasn't for injury, I doubt it, but it would have been really good to see him hold the title for like when he cashed it in all the way to Mania, like if he wasn't injured, how would he avoid Taker in the meantime? I think that would have been the ideal way because I think they were going to write Taker off with injury anyway because he was uh, Mark Henry because yeah. uh, of Mark Henry yeah uh, he, he didn't return to Unforgiven that year and he fought Mark Henry in just yeah. like a 10 Although, squash and we did get um, a great Cali world title run as a result as well I mean you, I mean, we, we slate Kane from time to time but I mean Kane was number one contender at that point and scheduled to win it and you're just thinking you had Kane he can still move <laughs> uh, but um I think Edge actually revealed on a podcast as well. Like he was originally meant to win the WrestleMania 23 Money in the Bank ladder match, mm-hmm. and that he would just hold the briefcase until then. But when they shifted it to Mr. Kennedy, and then he got written off, that's how they were able to get the briefcase to Edge. So they kind of recovered it. But I think maybe the suddenness of it. I think that maybe that's what really helped with it. I mean, maybe the sort of injuries as well were a bit of a blessing in disguise. But um, we talk. So we talk about Edge's streak. This was sort of like a jinx for him because then he lost. The next year to Cena and Big Show, and then he lost the next he year. He didn't win again in 27. Uh, he lost to Big Show. Uh, that, they yep. were talking about that. It's the only time he's walked in and out as world champion at WrestleMania. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And deservedly so. Yeah. And for the rest of uh, 2008, right up until SummerSlam, you know, they had a couple other matches when the world title was actually vacated because The Undertaker's Hell's Gate was deemed illegal. That that annoyed me because it was like, was it, it was the t- pay per view before TLC. Yeah. They vacated it, and then I think it won again. But it was like... What was Extreme Rules yeah, but It was a TLC match, yeah. No, so they, they vacated it after like, Backlash. It, and they said the vacant title will be decided at Judgment Day. I think then he won again. He won like, my count out, yeah. Then he won again. Like, no, you can't win that, that way. And they took it again. They're just trying to prolong it like, to get to this TLC just match. Just drag it out uh, a bit, and, yeah. And once again, it was like Edge avoiding Taker any way he can. And this time he had Vicky Guerrero to help him as well he as the GM. La Familia as well. <laughs> Who remembers Bad Neely as well? Really only you... This was like during my like hiatus for wrestling because like after wrestling twenty four I stopped watching for a wee bit and like I, it came back years later and it was just like Phil Buchanan is looking well <laughs> <laughs> I did not know who it was Aye. yeah they ended up having 
the Hell in a Cell match at SummerSlam that year. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say it was one of the best Hell in a Cell matches ever because of the it, it was a, basically a giant spot fest. But um, didn't they did, just change it over to the PG or was that? I, yeah, I think, think they'd just gone PG at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, Andy, do you remember? I, I, I didn't actually see it because, like I said, I went on hiatus as well and stopped watching wrestling. But I remember the end of the match. But if anybody wants to talk about the actual match itself, because like, Edge was all like he was told right before because he had all these spots they wanted to do and they talked actually about PG like well how can we do all the stuff we want to do if it's PG like because Edge wanted to go on top of the cell and was told no yeah but I think they sort of made up for it with this, you know, the spear through the cage they had yeah. table spots ladder spots and let's, let's not forget they got here because Edge messed with cheated on Vicky with Alicia Fox the last noble thing Alicia, Alicia Fox ever did the last noble thing she ever did why is she still here we um don't you dare talk about the captain with a women's division like that the queen of the Northern Lights suplex. <laughs> uh, that as well, like, now we talked about how he avoided him for a year, and then at WrestleMania it was like, well, you can't avoid the Reaper forever. I think he had his meal ticket and Vicky Guerrero, who was helping him avoid Undertaker in, like, any strenuous way, and then when he ruined that, that was like, that was, like, the woman scorned, it was the best way to get back at him, like, I've shielded you for the Undertaker. I, I suspended because he was suspended at this point. This was how they wrote him off TV. Right. Oh, sorry, they, they fired him because he lost the yeah, TLC he lost match. The TLC, yeah, because he was written off with injury. Yeah, actually. he was written off with injury, and it's like, right, you've you've hurt me. I'm going to hurt you the way Take the, the way I know yeah. I, the way I know it hurt you, and it's to put you in a match much like WrestleMania 24, where you can't escape Taker. Yeah, one more start for that feud. Actually, it's um, I think it might be the first or second year that the main event of WrestleMania was also the main event of. SummerSlam. I think it's happened twice, but it's the first time. Yeah. It the same, same two guys that main evented, main, evented, main evented SummerSlam the same year. No, it was Roman and Brock that she was the Roman and Brock time. was the second one, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's the first half of our Undertaker Greatest Rivals. When we come back, we'll uh, get some fan input as well, see what they have to say. Uh, but as we go into this break, uh, as we discussed the Hell in a Cell uh, match itself, this is the promo leading up to the Undertaker Edge match at SummerSlam 2008. Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Simon Cassidy, and you're listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I wanted to apologize publicly to my wife, Victoria. I know that what I did was horrible. Nothing means more to me than your love. I can't live without your love. Oh, baby, I mean, I understand. But you need to understand that hell hath no fury over a woman scorned. I did something that you might not like. I reinstated... The Undertaker. And at SummerSlam, it will be you, Hell, in a cell.
there's something that lingers inside you, something that eats away at you more than our past ever could. Every waking second, I know it eats away at your heart. Mick, if you help me, maybe it'll all just wash away. Not only will I not help you, I can't help you, but I know the one person who can. Edge. You need to look inside your heart and find the Edge who made me say you were the greatest superstar in WWE. You bring this Edge to SummerSlam and The Undertaker will tear you apart. Am I understood? I understand. Undertaker! Undertaker, strike me down with your lightning, Undertaker! Make the lights go out, Undertaker! And just hit his own fist, man! What's the matter, Vicky? Is it finally dawning on you that the person you need to worry about isn't the Undertaker? The Contero has it snapped! You wanna put me in hell, in this cell, with the Undertaker? This, this is the edge that needs to step in the hell in a cell with the Undertaker. The Undertaker wants to take me down. Well, I'm gonna pull the Undertaker down to hell with me. And Vicky, I'm going to take you down to hell with me. This is the high-flying, death-defying mass sensation, Lucha DS, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Simplex Retweet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. My name is David Hockney. I am joined by Ross Scott. Alan, Andy and Kwaku, and today we're discussing Undertaker's Greatest Rivalries. This is part three of our Undertaker series. We've also discussed gimmick matches in the street, which you can listen to in our back catalogue. Be sure to find us on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good podcasting sites. Also, I'd like to give a big shout out to Simon Cassidy and to Lucha DS for their sound bites this week. Uh, the interviews are out now, so be sure to find them also on our back catalogue. Give them a listen and give them, uh, give them a review. Five stars only, please. Five stars only, yeah, exactly. And it's also uh, Simon's Interviews also hosted by Alan, so be sure to give love them some you, love. Love you, Simon. Yep. Yeah, it's not as if the host for Lucha DS is sitting across for you, is it? Uh, and Scott hosts Lucha <laughs> DS, so... You're just better because Scott's a charmer. Yes, so. that's exactly yeah, no. what it is. <sighs> now, we, we have had some listener input uh, for this show as well to ask the listeners what they think was the, the best Undertaker feud. Uh, John McFarlane says, uh, feuds with Edge and Mankind are the two which stand out. Uh, Sean Smith says... Woo! Oh, yes, Sean am I? Who? Uh, Sean Smith says Oh Sean Smith I don't actually know Sean Smith <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry Sean oh, Andy you're <laughs> disappointing <laughs> yourself here I've not seen him in about a year <laughs> uh, 
He says Edge, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, Mankind, CM Punk, Batista, and of course you can't forget Kane. So yes, he basically uh, said everyone on our list. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Did you leak the list? No, not at all. Uh, but he has he has mentioned somebody else as well, King Mabel. Yes. Otherwise, yes. Uh, <laughs> otherwise known as Viscera. Good lad. Good oh. lad. That's Gary. There you go, Gary. Viscera reference for you. We so want he, Mabel. He said. We want he Mabel. Said, <laughs> he said Mabel and then tagged me and Gary in it. <laughs> yeah. Sean, I used to like you, brother. <laughs> I still like you, Sean. You're welcome anytime. Yeah. Uh, Dan Mikey Parker says Brock Lesnar and Shawn Michaels. Blaine Branham says Mankind, uh, Kane, Lesnar, Cena, and Mr. Kennedy. Canada. Thank you. Uh, he also, oh, he's also, uh, Dan's also said Batista and Edge as well in a separate comment. So. Um. <laughs> uh, Stephen Lardner says Mankind, HBK, Lesnar, and Edge. JW Falls says Shawn Michaels, Orton, Edge, and CM Punk. Uh, Liam Berry, who's written a bloody essay here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, excuse Liam for taking the time to contribute and listen to the show. Liam, we love your input. Don't we listen to him. Let me tell you something about it. There's a lot of detail about why his favourite feud is actually brought Let's Tell yeah. me why. There's Dave Costas Austin. Well, Liam says his favourite feud is brought Lesnar because it felt. It was a, had a legit fight feel about it because yeah. it was one of Taker's most difficult feuds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see how won all the time. And <laughs> just to finish on a high for the champ, uh, Callum Berry says nothing gives me goosebumps more than Undertaker and Kane squaring up to each other. Yes, it was like So yeah, uh, moving on to the um, the next feud, the one that uh, Liam described as a bit of an uphill struggle for the Undertaker, Brock Lesnar. Yes, this one's for Liam. Yep. So, he uh, says it's an uphill struggle, but Lesnar won all the time. Well, the one with the Undertaker won, but that was it. Yeah, that, that was like ten years after. See, that's the thing. That's the thing about everybody we have on our list. Brock Lesnar is the only one where Undertaker has more losses than wins against. Yeah. Every other feud he's had, he's you know always why? had more wins. Brock Lesnar's job he comes. What? He's what? His what? job he comes. He's bad breath. Jo- what? <laughs> What? What? Have you never heard that phrase, uh, Jobby Gums? Uh, uh, How old are you? Have you seen his teeth? Yes. Uh, shocking. Look, well, Perry. Well, right. Um, let's get away from Gums for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> now, their first feud was in 2002. It was Brock Lesnar's rookie year. He had just won the WWE Championship. And would you believe it? Their first match is inside Hell in a Cell. Like, oh, Ross, do you think What? what? That's the first match that Unforgiven the month before. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Mark it down. Yep, mark it down. You, uh, yeah, the, the you, match uh, before it ended in a double DQ. Yeah, um, the first match at uh, Unforgiven ended in a double DQ, <laughs> but then it goes into Hell in a Cell. So um, that is a. By the way, that match. It's a great. The, it's a great match, but see the ending, the visual of this big gorilla <laughs> standing on top of the cage. Holding it legitimised Brock Lesnar as yeah. a top player. Because like he'd beaten Hogan and Flair and Rock, and he demolished the Hardy Boys. But this felt like just yeah. you're beating the Undertaker in Undertaker's match. Mm-hmm. Talk about violent hell in a cell. That's it. Because it was a uh, Taker went with a broken hand as well. Yeah, yeah. It was like everyone was bloody. Even Paul Heyman uh, was bloody, yeah. and he was on the outside of the bloody like, ring. Then like outside the cell. Sorry. Taker when he bladed, he think he cut a tiny hole in Toby's head, and the blood was coming out of him. Like he almost ruptured an yeah. artery. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, Forgot my point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, you talk about the year two thousand two. I think we talked about this in the Brock Lesnar episode. Like, uh, like you talk about the definition to the two of strapping the rocket to somebody, and that's Brock Lesnar. And I don't think anybody in that room this time did more for Lesnar by putting him over than the Undertaker. I uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, Alan, Brock Lesnar is your 
favourite superstar, as we all know. Um, Yay! <laughs> what did you make of his sort of initial sort of rookie years? The fact that he's getting thrown in with the Undertaker so soon. It shows that Trust McMahon had him back then. He was legit, no if, no buts. He was no the guy. He was definitely the money to go from the likes of Rock and Austin, Triple H, his injuries and so forth. So yeah, and he delivered. In all fairness, he actually back then he actually did deliver, and it shows when he's fighting the angle, take a beat, taking his own matches. Andy mentioned it shows he was the right choice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it it kind of makes it feel like a bit of deflating when the next year they had the biker chain match. I mean, does anybody really remember? <sighs> I remember the yeah. aftermath of it, but I can't actually remember the match itself. See, I I wasn't on a hiatus at this point, but I used to live in Curtin Flats, and this was back in the days before you could get Sky and Virgin Media and all that, and High Flats. So we had on digital, which is how old I am. Council Wi-Fi. Yeah, and it just wasn't even Wi-Fi. It was like it was basically Freeview. It's, it's the old NTL. Yeah, it's the old yeah, NTL. Yeah, so it's like uh, on digital, but then it became Freeview, and it took like all the wrestling channels away. So I was sort of an infrequent viewer. It was just a case of whatever. Sky because, One had it because I didn't. Sky see One had it, but then they took Sky One away. Swines. Was that at No Mercy, the bigger chain match? Yeah, or? yeah. Because yeah, it was. It might have been on Skybox Office. I don't think I, saw, I ever saw that. Yeah, it, it was one of those ones. I lost my WWE access unless my grandfather taped it, or I was staying at a relatives that are friends. Yeah. Who had the luxury of Sky. Yeah. <laughs> That's the odd thing. It's like usually it was like the usually the big four or something that were on box office, but all the other pay per views were just on Sky Sports. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the good old. It was all the ones that were on Channel Four <laughs> that ended up going on to uh, Skybox yeah. Office. But yeah. Um, they didn't feud again until 11 years later where it was probably the most infamous uh, 1v1 match they ever had and probably I had Sky at this point yeah. <laughs> we were all older and had friends arguably the most <laughs> arguably the most shocking moment in Wrestlemania history the, the streak is over no one saw it coming because it was like that build up was shocking it was just as like oh Undertaker's like, just going to go in and, and, which, an and, and then the match itself no, was it shocking even, it wasn't Undertaker needs an opponent it was Lesnar needs an opponent yeah. because that Lesnar didn't go into the Rumble because he was fighting Big Show at that Royal Rumble. We just smacked him And then he he didn't show up to he wasn't at Elimination Chamber. And then he said the next night that he wants a main event feud. If he doesn't get the title, he's not he's not facing anyone. He signed a contract and unless the WWE champion signs it. He's not facing anyone, and then Undertaker came out and stabbed him with a pen. <laughs> so we're meant to be in a PG era, and yeah. you just hear it's Brock Lesnar's <laughs> as he gets stabbed with a pen. As he gets that trademark Alan Watkins making call, as he gets stabbed with a pen. What was that again? That's when he's uh, <laughs> no, I don't know if I'm going to go there. Seals, are they killing seals in there? <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like after. This <laughs> <laughs> is the first Eat Sleep Soup Place retweet show that you've tuned into in our back catalogue. Please stick with us, normal size. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, yeah, it stabs him with a pen for no reason. And then this is how unexpected this was, right? So it hits the third F5, but we're like, it's Undertaker at WrestleMania. Like, it's getting kicked. That's maybe actually why it was a good thing the streak ended because they were going, oh, it's getting predictable now. And I was sitting, sort of, I had to turn to talk to my mates where I was sitting. And like, <laughs> ignore it. One, two, it's getting with three. What? So I actually, I looked away. I heard that it. it was listening to it on the radio. I looked away, going, he's kicking it. One, three, what? 
The sound of silence is no, echoing. I had it spoiled. Tell the story about how we nearly. Have you told how we nearly missed that? Because the telly went. Oh off. yes, uh, one. Of, it was freezing in my mate's house, and we went to turn the heating on, and he accidentally turned off Skybox office, which. What, <laughs> We were ten Max. minutes behind, so thankfully we missed John Cena Bray Wyatt. Aye. <laughs> yeah, um, they did have a couple more matches the following year. Like Undertaker didn't resurface until SummerSlam the next year, and then they went on to have a second Hell in a Cell. The SummerSlam match was um, under sort of dubious circumstances because it's a, it's a good match, but it's uh, the finish is a bit wonky. Yeah. Don't I remember from it. It was, it was clear Taker tapped out, but I think it was yeah. just to get Taker one win, at least over Lesnar. The only thing I, I remember from that match is just when uh, uh, Taker sits up and then Lesnar sits up. And it's the, <laughs> <laughs> that, that should be the gif we used to promote this show. That is such uh, a good yes. call. Undertaker debuted a new finisher doing this, the punt to the balls. Yes. The Nakamura's. The, the, and uh, Daniel Bryan's as well. <laughs> yeah, he just that was in fairness, that is a good strategy, like it can't beat Lesnar, kick him in the balls. Yeah. I, but yeah, that was uh that was Undertaker Lesnar for you. Quite a, a highlight filled uh feud there. Now That was a bang and it ended in a whimper. <laughs> yeah. But going on to the one of the greatest of all time now, Shawn Michaels. <sighs> yeah. Um what wh- where should we start with the Shawn Michaels feud, uh, Andy? Well, in 97, I should put it down on the sheet. <laughs> can I, well, Sean uh, Michaels' mum and dad had sex and then had him and created the greatest wrestler of all time. In, in the beginning, Dave. That was where, that's, what, that's where we're starting. What is the sex you talk about? When a man loves a woman. When a man. It doesn't have to be that specific where an open society. This is true, but that's just how we procreate. No. Anyways, uh, essentially, they were in the company for how long before that? Because this is the first match, isn't it? The, yeah, I think Sean Michaels been around for like. Ten years at least, and Taker was around seven. Can I just say, see this match? <laughs> yeah, it starts uh, the '97 SummerSlam. This starts the Attitude Era for me because it sets up so many things that are important to the yeah. Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. It gets Bret Hart the title, which he kept to Survivor Series, which sets up the screw job. Yeah, it sets Shawn Michaels up as the major heel, also costing Taker. Starts the match at Hell in a Cell, and we'll talk about who debuted in that match a wee bit later. I see Scott's jumping at the back. Yes. So it, it led, <laughs> it led to the screw job. It led to the first ever hell in a cell. It led to the debut of Kane. We'll just say it. You know who it is. <laughs> That's it gotta be Kane. Spoilers, <laughs> Ross. Jesus. And it led to a HBK Undertaker feud. Yeah. And it's so many things just set in motion for the Attitude Era. Yeah, the Attitude Era definitely was sort of born that night. Uh, Scott, if we go on to the sort of the first. Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. Was there anything apart from Kane's debut that you remember from that? Uh, Gerald Oliver going mental as Sean starts falling off the cage, shouting "Incoming!" Oh, yeah, when- <laughs> and John wearing the proverbial crimson mask throughout that match. Because mm. yeah, there was a table spot outside, wasn't there? But it wasn't like off the, the yeah, roof. It was like, like off the tried, wall. He was trying to climb away from him, and Tiger seems to kick in his hands, and he fell. Yeah, you know, like the, the Ambrose Rollins spot from like that's the spot they usually go with there with the PG and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Well, try not to Shane. kill people. They seem like Unless you're Shane. Unless you're Shane, yeah. Have, have you seen Mick Foley try to walk now? Is that, I've seen him live and it's, it's Is that the nice. sort of thing with Shane? It's just sort of like, if I kill a performer, it's mm. bad. If it's my own son, it's like, well, he offered to do that. Yeah. <laughs> He's sacrificing his son. The insurance will stop here. Yeah, um, going from the Hell in a Cell, they also had the, the casket match where, unfortunately, HBK suffered mm. that career-ending back injury. Do you think... 
Uh, Alan, do you think if HBK hadn't suffered that injury, do you think we would have got more matches between the two of them? Definitely. Absolutely. I feel, I feel back then, I know Austin had a big push, but he wasn't really the guy yet. Um, you know, they two, I think, were really carrying the company, and they really took the company and ran it, especially after you know the screw job. And I feel that we could have had like a Rock Austin styled feud that went on and on for years and years to come. And you know, it's a shame because again, I think that would that possibly could have killed the Monday Night Wars early. I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, like as well as much as Sean probably didn't feel like at the, the time when his back was in excruciating pain he probably needed this because in real life he was not in a good place so no. he needed to go away for a while and kind of like needed to get better and he came back and had one of the best runs he's in the second half which we'll get to one a couple of those matches but also kind of benefited those around him because like Austin got that moment right before he left and it allowed Triple H to step into Sean's shoes as the head of DX don't know, I feel like uh, it was a blessing in disguise that injury because it was like as you said it was like Mike was in a bad place I know you said the the matches would have had but and it could have ended the Monday Night Wars like yeah. earlier I don't know I think the, the opposite of the hand I think it might have ruined the actually there because like he's in a bad place you know probably trying to politic his way into like a top yeah. show and, and he, was and he didn't like The Rock for a start yeah. so that's like Rock, like the rock. rock that's like upset Ross already you know the <laughs> second biggest Rock fan in the podcast yes Sean, Sean was not smelling what he was cooking so I think that injury had to ha- happen like yeah. you know just because him out of the picture it just mm. people could come in and like do it like Triple H could have yeah. been on top before but yeah as well like with Sean Michaels you've seen the tragic end of so many wrestlers who be, not being able to control their addictions, I think this was the best thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could have seen Sean go down a, a, an unfortunate path. Yeah, talk about blessings in disguise as well, because he got, yeah. obviously got on the right path. But then the next time they would have 1v1s, it would be two WrestleMania in a row, 25 and 26. These have been argued as some of the best matches in e- not just either men's career, but also mm-hmm. in WrestleMania history. Uh, Ross, do you think <coughs> one was better than the other, or do you think they were both? just as good as each other. Um, sort of a cop-out answer here, but I think everyone would agree 25 is the better match, mm-hmm. however 26 is the better story because it's the mm. desperate man, Sean Michaels. Against uh, the streak, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and because <clears throat> he, he was sort of like, he was in debt, quotation marks, even though he's the highest paid performer in the company other than Undertaker. <laughs> he was working for JBL in that silly storyline and then he just randomly won a fatal 4-way to fight the Undertaker. And then... It was just like, I'm going to beat The Undertaker. The street will survive. No, I'm going to beat The Undertaker. Did he not just beat Kozlov to face Taker? Yeah, I think he he, beat, he won a fatal four-way and then he had to beat JBL and then he had to beat Kozlov and it was just like, that was keeping the feud going but they were on different shows and it just, it wasn't a, it wasn't a WrestleMania building feud, if yeah. you get me. Mm-hmm. But the match was certainly WrestleMania quality. Absolutely. And then 26 of the next year where it's like, he says it at the Slammies in December and Taker says no. So then he says, move me to SmackDown, and Raw tell him no. He tries to win the Rumble, he fails, and then he gets that desperate that he just, he went, I don't want the title, he went, I just want you, he went, that's why I cost you the world title. And I think that, it didn't devalue the title, I think, I think it just built this feud up more, just in case of, I didn't want the title, I wanted you. Mm. Yeah, completely. That's a hell of a promo package, that uh, yeah. WrestleMania 26. Also, the way 25 ended, it just sell that story perfectly, because yeah. the whole idea is, Michaels makes one mistake yeah. and he's caught and that's that. It's great, the, the moonsault into the Tim's thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's superb and you're talking, you know, Michaels is what, 
40 odds then mm-hmm. and takers in his 40 mm-hmm. and these two guys are running about yeah, like, like in their 20s early 20s it, it just shows how fit and how good they are it's as well it's the one mistake but they also referenced how he lost the Royal Rumble a few years earlier to Undertaker mm-hmm. it was one mistake then It was it's one mistake is all it takes and it's the promo package where Triple H goes Sean there'll be other matches and he goes not for me Mm-hmm. There's not other matter, and it's just that shows you how much it meant to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On paper, twenty-five is the classic. These two guys are big stars. We don't have anything for them. Let's put them together. I think mm-hmm. part of the thing that aided them in that nobody could tell because they knew they'd have match where they couldn't predict how good this would be. Mm-hmm. And considering like they'd just seen a world earlier in the night by like Jimmy Snuka and Roddy Piper fighting Chris Jericho. So I don't think they were prepared for how good this would be, but I think I agree with Ross the story that was told to go coming out of it. They took what could just be a one-off, like that was a good match to, and they won the best stories they've done in the last five, ten years. Yeah, totally. And you know, you said it was like you know some people give give nowadays the 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 fans give like a lot of criticism to like old part timers taking up WrestleMania yeah. spots, but. Ironic how two guys in their forties were actually had arguably the best WrestleMania match of all time. This was sort of like the the Rock Hogan thing, where it was like it was so good, but you weren't provi- you weren't uh-huh. prepared for how good it was going to be, or like uh, Triple H Undertaker uh, in the years to come. You're like that should have been <clears throat> that should have been evented, but it's just like you didn't realise how good it was going to be, and it's just it made the main event just go. Crap, we need to follow that. Yeah. Well, it was like before, it was like the last time they fought was like pre Michael's injury where he was in a bad place and stuff. And it's like, and all that time had passed, they were like separated, and it was the streaks becoming a big thing. You know, Michael's is always, he's the one of the greatest wrestlers, put him in with anybody, and yeah. Undertaker's on the smacks downside doing the same. And it's like, but as soon as it was announced, it was like, you know, going in, this is like going to be a great match and then you know it exceeded expectations. Yeah. yeah. And one of the marquee points about all of those, uh, those, those great matches uh, each of them lasted at least 20 minutes Yeah. so mm. I mean it just goes to show you know, they always steal the show when they go I, I've always said to people who maybe don't like wrestling if you watch those two matches and say you don't like wrestling there's something wrong with you mm. because mm. they have got something in there for everyone Common, commentary on the WrestleMania 25 one by the way is brilliant Michael Cole gets a lot of stick but Michael Cole plays off Jerry Lawler who plays off JR who plays off Michael Cole and it's the only time the three commentary because not one of them was out and out heel they were just commentators yeah uh, so rounding off our list of uh, rivals uh, Scott I'm going to put you on the spot here because uh, we're going to discuss Kane now it's got to be Kane it's got to be Kane <laughs> Enoch Vince McMahon is not a good commentator we all know that but his best call by far he's is all this right. one I think he's quite good I thought he's maybe back in the day he was actually quite good but no he wasn't yeah, he, yeah back <laughs> what a manoeuvre you know, he was good. He always oversold. He always knew someone going to go, there you go, That's his no, job, he's to oversell. What a manoeuvre. Yeah. <laughs> you think he was trying to challenge that or Barrow and Alba back in the day? Oh, God. God knows what he was trying to do. He had five different voices. He was like, this is a big match coming up. Michael's in, <laughs> forget about it. Can we focus on Kane? Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. as the Kane debut, because all it's come at the whole, like, aesthetic of Kane, like, I think everybody knew who this was, and if they didn't, they had Vince yelling at them. <laughs> but yeah, like, okay, say possibly this and Jericho up there for me is the two best debuts of all time. Yeah, definitely. Now, they would actually go on to have quite a, a few uh, pretty crazy matches in yeah. the sort of late 90s. You know, we had the WrestleMania 14 match. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Andy, what did you think of that, that match there? Well, which one? The WrestleMania 14? 14, aye. It's a great match. It's a great sort of... It's probably the best Kane and Undertaker match. And even though Undertaker wins, but Kane still looks strong, and that's kind of how you... It's like three tombstones or something. Yeah, three tombstones, and Kane's still kind of standing afterwards. But it's still like... They both came out of it better than what mm-hmm. they did. Afterwards, I, I don't know, like, no offence, Scott, but I just feel like their feuds didn't get as hot as that. Yeah. It was just, you and know... Talking of a hot feud, they did have an oh. inverted match. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> I think this, this at the time, and I think this is what made the likes of when Triple H started to rise, he, even though he was a heel, got a lot of support. The Rock, when he was heel, still got support. Mankind got such a big babyface reaction, was round about this time, and... Well, people glorify the Attitude Era, something they always moan about in the Ruthless Aggression slash PG era. It was always Triple H, Randy Orton, John Cena, Triple H, Randy Orton, John Cena. <laughs> As Scott coughs and a party back. <coughs> uh, we have... <laughs> we have uh, Kane, Undertaker, Austin. Kane, Undertaker, Austin. Kane, un- and it was always like... Remind me of that rotation again? Kane, Undertaker, Austin. Right, Kane... Uh, it just didn't get after the four times. Dust anyone? No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just it seemed to be a little Brett reference though. It would be like a Kane Undertaker match, and then it'd be a Kane Austin match, and it'd be an Undertaker Austin yeah, and match. And it'd be like, whose side is he on? Yeah, and then it, every week we talk about um, Big Show turning face and heel constantly. It was like Undertaker's with Kane. Undertaker's turned on Kane. Kane's with Austin. Kane's turned on Austin. Austin's helping the Undertaker. Austin. <laughs> Well, you talk about like I know you've not mentioned the notes here, but breakdown ninety eight. Mm-hmm. What a match because the stipulation was Kane and Undertaker were prohibited from pinning each other. Yeah. So they had to take it Austin, and mm-hmm. the way it ended with you no know, no champion because the two of them had the three count on them. Yeah. You know, and that match it was brilliant because obviously as you say that like every triple three match obviously they have somebody gang up and then it all goes one on one and one sort of thing. But the storytelling that just made Kane. Look so superior, I felt to Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. that whole thing is it was Kane, it was doing a real destruction, and it was Taker. We kind of do it if we'd be awesome, get a, a cheap dig in it, Kane mm. or something like that, and then he would take him, but he never really carried much. Kane carried that match, and for a lot of the he carried, I felt Taker as well. Mm. Like, I'm no, like, I'm able to admit that post May 14, it quickly went downhill, even the very next month. They suddenly realised we need to keep this going and they're already going in. This is Russell going to his bag of gimmicks. He's like, what do we need these two guys supernatural? Let's have them set each other on fire. And just yeah. since then, all the ridiculous yeah. reasons they've had, excuses they've had for feuding, which never really make any sense. Mm. Yeah, like, you know, they had the the, the, um, the Buried Alive segment as well. I think they played heavily yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Kane, just, Kane just came out and felt like burying his brother. Right. We've all been there. 2007. <laughs> <laughs> this is got dark. Uh, Who's sad is he on? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of buried alive, that's uh, gotta be Scott. <laughs> 2003, you know, Kane buries the Undertaker alive, and then that builds up their feud for WrestleMania 20. Do you think the the build up for this was better than say WrestleMania 14? No, no. I don't know. I, I did really enjoy that build up because of the whole sort of come back to the you know the dead man character. Oh yeah, because he was that was the end of his uh, biker gimmick, wasn't it? This, this feud was essentially just a vehicle to we need to get him out of the biker thing back to the dead man. How do you do it? We just just went back to the well and got Kane. Because mm. that Royal Rumble spot's quite class when it's like Kane's in the ring dominating and it's like and count down. And it's like boom. Yeah. Who's is it? Uh, Spike Dudley. Spike oh, Dudley. <laughs> Still in the Rumble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And um, but that WrestleMania entrance though, I mean, him coming out as the dead man once again. Well, Paul Bearer for a start coming out with the orange. Yeah, that was and like, yeah. I just, think that was probably the best part of that match. It was the last the match of that WrestleMania. There, <laughs> if we look back. Yeah. Can't talk about them. It was the first time I think Taker has faced the same opponent at two different medias. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then they sort of uh, reignited the feud over the World Heavyweight Championship uh, some years later in 2010. So Kane had just won the his cash-in match by winning the same night. Uh, but then they go into a storyline where Undertaker's written off and they go into this series of matches, um, all stipulation matches as well. Scott, um, what did you make of this this feud? This feud was terrible. <laughs> like, fair dude, I'm all for Kane getting the world title and yeah, you, this is the few times where Kane actually won a feud. He won all three matches. I think it was just too little, too late. Mm. Uh, when you think about it. But you know what I mean? They had Noble's Bar. They had another. They had a Hell in a Cell match finally, and even had their own Buried Alive match. Do you think they just lived up to the hype, or do you think the gimmicks themselves were just selling it? Nah, but they were just relying on the gimmicks and that. And also, Kane cut this promo that real my attack. went, "Oh, I had all these years of plan. Like, and all in the past twenty odd years, he's beaten you an umpteen times." Your plan is not very good. <laughs> this is what it's all coming to. Uh, Alan, do you remember this 2010 feud uh, at all? No, really, no. I, it was the end of 2010. I sort of came back out of my hiatus, so don't know much about it. When I started watching WWE again, Kane was the world champion, and the very first show I watched was a SmackDown. The Edge beat him for the title. <laughs> and the fans. Oh no, that was, that, was, that, that, that was his rematch, he'd lost it to TLC. That's the very first match though, that I'd seen in all the way back time. He'd lost it to TLC and then... Yeah, that was it. See the thing with Kane here, and it's something we talked about early Undertaker and then around about 2004 to 2007 Undertaker, it was Kane never got the proper feud, because Kane can go, well no, Kane can go. Well, maybe he can't. It might be 50, Jesus. You, you, you try moving like Kane at 40 now in your mid 20s. I doubt you'll be able to do it. But anyway, yeah. back on. I need a as well, so. <laughs> but um, he goes, he always get the he get the, the bad villain of the week, basically. Like Undertaker would get the guy they were pushing. Kane would get the guy they were thinking of pushing before giving him to Undertaker. And he always <laughs> gets stupid reasons for feuding with people. And it's just like this. Do you think this is about coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would Chris Jericho over coffee. And it was just. If you gave Kane with the talent that was on SmackDown at that time, you know, you had a, a debuting Del Rio, you had Rey Mysterio, you had uh, Chris Masters, who was told he was getting a push and had actually slimmed down and was actually moving pretty well. And you could have made Kane this big monster, but they just kind of went back to the Was he already a monster to begin with? Not really, because they, they, they kind of just taken the luster away from him and it was just a case of, let's go back to the Undertaker well. And he could easily have been that kind of like monster of the month or whatever, like Taker was feeding with at that time. <laughs> monster, monster of the, of the month. month, like, like a, a, a wall on the wall, like Sam. an employee of the month or something. Mask came October 2010. <laughs> Unmask came November 2010. <laughs> I think with Taker, there were a few people of the same size as Taker that had, they, they had better matches than he had with most big guys like fucking Giant Gonzalez and all that look. But at least Kane's, what feud had mostly, were, for better or worse, had a story behind it. They had that, Aye. they were brothers in quotation marks. That's what the good thing about it was, I think if you put them together either as a tag team or in a feud, 
you've already got a story there. Yeah, much better as a tag team than the words. And, and they could match each other. Mm-hmm. Match all made it. Yeah, they, yeah. They could match each other actually, but uh, the stats say otherwise because they have 13 one on one counters and Undertaker's won nine of them. Jesus. So, <laughs> all that's all in the action. Most of that's in the action. And, there, isn't and it? then what the funny thing is, Kane, like, Kane won four times. Three of those were in 2010 because he won the, he won the feud. Like, like, it was a clean sweep. Like, 13, that's just far too many matches between those two. Yeah. But yeah, this is, sorry, before we move on, this to me is like the John Cena Randy Orton feud sort of thing. <clears throat> or like, uh, it, it's sort of like they try to build it up as an epic thing, even though, although Cena's great and Orton's great, they've never meshed together. It's no shame, like, AJ Styles couldn't mesh with Kevin Owens. Yeah. They're still great. Kane and Undertaker, they had that one great match, and then... They just try to rebuild it and it, just, it, just, it, just, yeah. it, it couldn't happen and it's no shame in saying, look, you don't mesh as yeah. be, be a team. So yeah, that was um, that was some of uh, Undertaker's uh, greatest rivalries, but now I'm going to hand it over to the, the panel now to get sort of a definitive answer. We'll have a bit of leeway with um, reasons why you think um, your choice was the best viewed, but we do have some honourable mentions beforehand. Like I think some of the listeners mentioned this as well. Uh, CM Punk, Randy Orton... Uh, we also had uh, Diesel, Psycho Sid, Jake the Snake Roberts, Yokozuna, a couple of names just floating around there. But I'll start with Ross and we'll go our way around. Ross, would, who would you say is Undertaker's best rival? Uh, Shawn Michaels, I'll go. Okay. Uh, pardon me. Wow. Um, I think. Elaborate, yeah. The fact that they were thrown together at WrestleMania 25, and then the fact that Shawn Michaels went through hell on earth to get to fight Taker the only thing I think would have been better is if Shawn Michaels because I think he finished fourth in that rumble if he came in at number one I think that would have made it much better like going going the distance and just crumbling at that last yeah, bit yeah he, he was fourth <clears throat> but the fact that he tried to get him at Slammies he wouldn't get it he tried to get a trade to Smackdown Terry Long's like I can't take you like Raw won't Raw won't let me take you he was he was he eventually just he interfered he went to a Smackdown main event and cost the Undertaker the title we cost and it's even better the wee nuance that Chris Jericho his most fierce rival two years before someone who attacked his wife and all that he helped him win a world title because he wanted Undertaker that bad and I think that just sums it up how good that feud is uh, Scott dare yeah. I ask yeah, I have a couple of other mentions first uh, I was talking about this with my podcast co-host Paul earlier we joked that in the last couple of years his two most fierce rivals have been his hairline and his hip <laughs> Uh, okay, see, where, is, where is Mabel on this? Have you not seen what Mabel did to the Undertaker after he broke his orbital bone, forcing him to wear that bloody Phantom of the Opera mask? Yeah, I do remember that actually. But, but uh, like, I would, I would, I'm tempted to say Kane, but like I said, as we discussed, like they've had one good match. I don't think that really makes up for everything that came after it. So I'm stuck between either Sean or possibly somebody who we've not really talked about. As I know mentioned on this sheet, uh, Randy Orton, because I think. Before the street became a thing, he was one of the first guys to say, I need to beat The Undertaker at Maya because he was the legend killer and this was the ultimate pair of them to go up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very good. Yeah, uh, Alan? I think for quality of matches, HBK. Mm-hmm. I think for what made him a main event player, it's got to be Mankind. Made him really well known. I'm sorry, <laughs> Andy. I'm sorry. <laughs> at least we agree. <laughs> but can I give one honourable mention? Yeah. The Rock. He had a cracking feud with The Rock. Um, and also the fact that he was never afraid he was the guy who put Rock over mm-hmm. um, you know because Rock was starting to come up and Vince says hey, he's going over and it was taken at Thunder and he said no he's going over cleanly 
because he wanted it to be a screw job. He said, no, no, he's going to pin me. He's going to do one, two, three, make him legit. He's your guy. And he did that several times. You know, just with Lice of Rock, he did it with Orton, so many others. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're my two. Okay, uh, and Andy? Well, literally, Alan just took the words straight out of my mouth. Sorry, uh, sorry friend, <laughs> sorry. So, yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. In terms of match quality, HBK, but in terms of storyline, Mankind. Because yeah. they both just brought out the better Great in each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, Quacko, do you um, have a favourite feud? Uh, probably Randy Orton was up there because that, that was around WrestleMania 21 and I loved that WrestleMania. You started, that's when you started watching, wasn't it? Or was it your favourite Mania? It was one of my favourite Mania. Like, it's that or 17 and that kept I mean, it's six and a half a dozen to me. Kind of, like, it depends on what you're looking for. Uh, but an honorary mention is to Mr. Kennedy, <laughs> purely for that moment on SmackDown. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what moment was that again, Quacko? Can you oh, remind us? Don't, go, don't All right. go there. Well, I can't wanna, break him again. If you want to hear the, the moment Quacko's talking about, listen to our Greatest SmackDown Moments show, and you'll see exactly why it's his favourite moment. So, But yeah, it's quite a quite a good mix we've got from the panel here. We've had a couple for Shawn Michaels, a couple for Randy Orton, we've had Mankind, with, and we've had The Rock. So yeah, um, quite a good input from not only the listeners but also us here on the panel um, I think if uh, if I was to chip in and sort of give my own opinion I think I mean whilst everybody makes excellent points I think Randy Orton's was kind of underrated a bit I think I've still got to go with um, I've got to go with the majority I've got to go with Shawn Michaels largely because they feuded in the Attitude Era they feuded towards the end of his career the WrestleMania matches were some of the best you could probably ask for and the majority was Mankind because only one person said Sean Well, a lot, a lot of the listeners I said Sean Michaels as well. Well, a lot of the listeners said Sean Michaels as well, so oh, that was. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, I think uh, I think Sean Michaels sort of wins the popular vote overall. But um, so yeah, that's going to do it for our Undertaker Greatest Rivalry Show next week. Um, Andy, you're going to be in the hosting chair for the first time ever. Way to spoil the surprise, Dave. Yep. <laughs> he's going to knock it apart. He's going to smash it. And it's going to be a big show next week because we're discussing the big show. Well, it's the big, big show. show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so if you enjoyed uh, this week's show, be sure to leave us a rating and review. Five stars preferably. Be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. Um, big thanks to my panel, Ross. Thank you. Scott. Thank you. Alan. Thank you. Andy. Just for having us, Dave. And of course, to our MBEP Quacko. Can I go to bed? Yes, you can. <laughs> uh, that's been the Undertaker Greatest Rivalry Show. This has been Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I've been David Hockney, and we'll see you next week. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now!